Over the span of human history, there are certain ideas that humans have had a very difficult time accepting. Ideas that no one has any problem with today, and are even grasped by children, actually took centuries to take root. And perhaps this is no more true than with the concept of negative numbers. Learn more about negative numbers and how they went from being absurd to commonplace on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935, after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. I've previously done episodes on the number zero, infinity, and complex or imaginary numbers. All of these mathematical concepts were difficult for people at first to grasp because they aren't things that we deal with in everyday life. Mathematics had its origin in counting simple objects. If you had two sheep, you could count one, two sheep. You couldn't count zero sheep. You couldn't count an infinite number of sheep. And there certainly can't be a negative number of sheep. The first instance of negative numbers, which is mentioned in historical accounts, comes from the Greek mathematician Diophantus of Alexandria. In the 3rd century, he wrote a book titled Arithmetica, which was a series of solutions to algebraic equations. One such equation which he encountered was the simple equation 4x plus 20 equals 4. If you do the math and rearrange the terms, you'll find the solution of this equation is negative 4. Solving this equation isn't really controversial, but Diophantus just considered the result to be absurd because he couldn't see how you could have a negative amount of something. Much of this had to do with the fact that algebra, as a separate abstract discipline, didn't really exist yet at the time. It was intrinsically tied up with geometry, and in geometry you can't have a negative length of something. The Diophantine view of negative numbers ended up becoming the predominant view of negative numbers in European mathematics for centuries. 
However, around the same time that Diophantus was working in Alexandria, Chinese mathematicians were developing their own system of mathematics. The Chinese mathematician Liu Wei in the 3rd century wrote the very first rules for the addition and subtraction of negative numbers. Liu's system of counting wasn't so much a mathematical innovation as it was an accounting innovation. He created a system of positive red symbols and negative black symbols. The black and red would cancel each other out and were used to determine how much tax someone owed. The negative numbers Liu Wei worked with weren't as controversial in China as the negative numbers that Diophantus dealt with in Alexandria. Historians have wondered why negative numbers were embraced in China but not in Greece. One theory is that it may have had something to do with the Chinese worldview of accepting a duality. However, it probably might have had something to do with what the numbers were trying to measure. Diophantus was thinking in terms of physical things and geometric lines. Liu Wei was thinking in terms of taxes. While it may be difficult to imagine a negative number of sheep, it's very easy to understand owing someone a debt. The system which Liu Wei documented was probably in place in China for centuries before he wrote it down. The next big advance in negative numbers came from the land which gave us the concept of zero, India. The great 7th century Indian mathematician Brahma Gupta was the one who really figured out how to work with negative numbers and developed many of the rules we have regarding negative numbers today. If you remember back to my episode on the number zero, it was Brahma Gupta who was the same person who developed the mathematical concept of zero. If you've taken an algebra class, you've probably dealt with the ideas of Brahma Gupta, even if you didn't know it. It was Brahmagupta that created a general solution to the quadratic equation and allowed for solutions that were negative or zero. For the purpose of this episode, Brahmagupta's explanation of negative numbers used terms that his audience would have understood. He described negative numbers as debts and positive numbers as fortunes. Here are the rules that he created for doing basic arithmetic with negative numbers and zeros. In his own words, quote, A debt minus zero is a debt. A fortune minus zero is a fortune. Zero minus zero is zero. A debt subtracted from zero is a fortune. And a fortune subtracted from zero is a debt. The product of zero multiplied by a debt or fortune is zero. The product of zero multiplied by zero is zero. The product or quotient of two fortunes is one fortune. The product or quotient of two debts is one fortune. The product or quotient of a debt and a fortune is a debt and the product or quotient of a fortune and a debt is a debt. End quote. Change the words around, and these are the same rules that we use today for doing math with negative numbers. The story of negative numbers then moves to the Islamic world and the great Muslim mathematician Al-Khwarizmi, who I've mentioned on many episodes. Al-Khwarizmi did not actually embrace negative numbers. Al-Khwarizmi wrote the book Al-Jabbar, from which algebra gets its name and in it he covers many of the concepts in algebra, but avoids anything dealing with negative numbers. He didn't come right out against negative numbers, but he just avoided using them. We know that Al-Khwarizmi was familiar with the works of Indian mathematicians such as Brahmagupta, but his work was also grounded in the geometry of the Greeks, which led him to dismiss negative results. About a century later, another Islamic mathematician, Abu al-Wafa, used negative numbers to represent debts. Abu al-Wafa and the 12th century mathematician al-Samawal are some of the only Islamic mathematicians to have used negative numbers. At this point, despite the concept having been independently discovered in China and India, and having been used to a limited extent during the Islamic Caliphate, the idea of negative numbers still hadn't caught on completely. 
In the 12th century back in India, Bhaskara II was solving quadratic equations and getting negative results, but he too rejected the negative values and the work earlier done by Brahmagupta. It wasn't until the 15th century that negative numbers started to appear in the works of European mathematicians. There was a study of Islamic and Byzantine mathematical text where negative numbers were used as solutions to equations. But even then, there was still resistance to the idea. One of the first Europeans to take advantage of the idea of negative numbers was the Italian Luca Pacioli, who is considered to be the father of modern accounting and used negative numbers in double-entry bookkeeping. Other European mathematicians in the 15th and 16th centuries took a similar approach as Islamic scholars. They recognized that negative numbers could solve equations, but they rejected the results. The 15th century French mathematician Nicolas Chiquet called them absurd numbers, as did the 16th century German monk and mathematician Michael Stiefel. However, some mathematicians didn't have any problem with negative numbers. Leonard Euler and Carl Friedrich Gauss in the 17th century used negative numbers on a regular basis and as a part of their mathematical theorems. However, other mathematicians from the same era, such as Francis Maceres, said that negative numbers, quote, darken the very whole doctrines of the equations and make dark of the things which are in their nature excessively obvious and simple, end quote. The universal adoption of negative numbers didn't really happen until the 19th century. So why am I doing a whole episode on negative numbers? It's because the idea of negative numbers and the story behind them is something that I'm guessing most of you have never even bothered to think about. The concept of negative numbers are in no way controversial, and they're very easy to understand. Almost every grade school classroom will have a number line on the wall with negative numbers on the left side of zero. Children can grasp negative numbers almost immediately, and you don't need anything more than grade school math to do arithmetic with them. Yet as simple as they are to understand, it was a process that took almost 2,000 years before this simple concept was universally accepted. And that is the real story of negative numbers, that sometimes even the simplest of ideas can take centuries to catch on. The executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Charles Daniel. The associate producers are Thor Thompson and Peter Bennett. Today's review comes from listener Jim Tom is God over on Apple Podcasts in the United States. They write, Done yet never done. Finally joined the Completionist Club. Still awaiting my membership benefits. Could you check on that? Thanks. After literally hundreds of podcasts, I still look forward to my daily dose. Even on topics I know plenty about, there is almost always something I didn't know. You have become a welcome addition of my daily routine and further cemented my trivia dominance. Thanks. Well, thank you, Jim Tom. I will bring your concern to the board of directors of the Completionist Club. They will establish an ad hoc committee to appoint a special investigator who will then be in charge of a blue ribbon panel who will look into the matter. We should have this taken care of before episode number 2000. Remember, if you leave a review or send me a boostogram, you too can have it run right on the show.